Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. think we are all set for another highly anticipated episode of underground sports philadelphia what is going on everybody it is a world series preview edition of underground sports philadelphia episode number 476 it's kb and matt coming at you from underground studios the philadelphia phillies are playing in the 2022 World Series, we're going to dive into all of that. And uh, Hallie Roseman doesn't like teams stealing the Eagles shine, so he went out and made a trade this afternoon. We'll talk all about Robert Quinn. We'll talk about Eagles Steelers. We also have Eagles enemies coming out later this week with friend of the network, Wesley Euler, uh, that you won't want to miss. And then, of course, we'll dive into Survivor, the Union, the Sixers, the Flyers. Who would have thunk everything is coming up Philly? But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials, Twitter and Instagram at UndergroundPHI. We are 16 followers away on Twitter from the big 3K. When we get there, we got a big time giveaway with our friend Josh Reynolds coming down the pipeline. And uh, you're not going to want to miss out on that giveaway. So make sure you follow us at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It helps the show continue to grow, reach a new audience. And, you know, we're talking about the fightings. Who doesn't want more Phillies content in your podcast feeds? So go subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Leave those five-star reviews on Apple. Let us know how excited you are about this Phillies World Series opportunity. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. You get full video episodes of every Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast. We're on that road to 1K subscriber gauntlet challenge. We're 258 subscribers now. Once we get to 1K, all of our shows will be doing something different to uh, celebrate and commemorate a big-time milestone that will help our network continue to grow. So go subscribe to the YouTube channel, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your excitement for the World Series. And big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen, Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and our boys over at Pickup. Guys, go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports, play those World Series props, NFL is here, NBA is here, NHL is here, Uh, they got everything you can think of when it comes to sports props, it's free to play, all you got to do is sign up with your phone number at playpickup.com, you rack up points on your fan profiles, cash them in for prizes, that's playpickup.com. Matt, how we doing, man? You know, I think it's truly one of the few times that I've 
said living the dream and i feel like kind of living in a dream we are living the dream the phillies are headed to the world series for the first time since 2009 they uh they take down the san diego padres we get three iconic calls on one of the more memorable moments in philly sports history with bryce harper's essential game-winning home run uh and we get the Astros in a, a rematch of 1980, which was the Phillies' first World Series win. Uh, I did see somebody put out that uh, MLB should let both teams wear their throwback uniforms, which would be kind of cool. Um, but it's Phillies-Astros in the World Series, and it still doesn't feel real. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um I think because so much of the postseason for the Phillies has been a little bit of uh, house money, that obviously the stakes have been there. Like we were, I think, all feeling it during the Padres series, especially. But um, it hasn't felt like it's different when you're the favorite and you're in these situations as opposed to the underdog. And that'll be how the Phillies enter the, you know, this World Series, too. Um, but yeah, it doesn't feel real because. <laughs> You know, uh, a quarter into the season, this team was listless. And even when they were kind of getting their act together, it still felt like this team was maybe, you know, another like free agency period away and, you know, another year like development for some of the younger guys away before they were actually competitive. We were just, honestly, I mean, I think we were just happy with making the playoffs, making that like a regular part of this team again and, you know, going on to, to next season. But yeah, now you're you're having this experience. And now too, it, it shifts from where you're like, you know, you, you beat the Braves, and you're like, damn, this is great. And but but now it turns into this thing. It's like you don't you don't really know when you'll be back in this spot again. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no guarantee that the Phillies are back it, even in the playoffs next season. You know, like that's not that's not a given. Um, so now you have this opportunity. You're four wins away from winning a World Series, which is just a a huge <laughs> chance. I mean, like it's just I I don't know. Like I. I think you could have said a lot of things at the beginning of the season about where the team would end up. I really think saying that they were going to be in the world, like definitively making that decision, I think it was, would have been a very bold call. And um, I mean, even at the start of the postseason, <laughs> there's 12 teams that I don't think it would have been totally unreasonable for people to say that like a spot 11 or 12 was the Phillies. And that was kind of the consensus too. Like they were, um, you know, and the, they were really the, the last team to punch their ticket to the playoffs. Ironically, against the Astros, yeah. which was also the last time the Astros lost a game. So um, maybe not ideal, but <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I, I've been doing some some number digging and, and seeing some things on MLB Network. Uh, I think the biggest one that stands out to me, obviously the Astros have now been to four out of the last six World Series, have only won one of them, um, but they are not a good home team in the World Series. They've played 12 home games, Matt, in these World Series, uh, including uh, when they made it in 2005. So those are their their four appearances in the World Series, not including 2022, obviously. But can you tell me how many home games the Astros have won in their four World Series appearances in 2005, 2017, 2019, and 2021? I'm going to guess they have won six. I'm going to tell you to cut that number in half. Wow. <laughs> They've lost 9 out of 12 at home, uh, mostly because 2005 they got swept by the White Sox completely in the World Series, lost that four games to none. 
And then uh, when that stolen franchise got their luckiest World Series win of all time, uh, that was the year that the road team won each game. So the right. Nationals won four games in Houston. Houston won three games in D.C. And uh, the Astros went 0-4 at home in 2019. I mean, it's kind of a track record, if you will. Like, there's enough of a sample size there to say, hey, maybe they're just not getting it done in the World Series at home. And you know what else? Justin Verlander, 0-5 in the World Series. Like, uh, I think it was like a 5.7 ERA. So, uh, you know, <laughs> he's, a, he's an older arm. I'll say that, like, Right off the bat, the Astros are a great team. Yes, <laughs> like they are, they are, and I mean we—that's not new information. Like I, right. I can remember us talking in like not that we're the only we're the only people noticing the Astros, but you know, I I, I feel like we were talking in like July and August when we were looking to the playoffs. But it kind of fucking feels like an Astros, yeah. you know, because like no one really. I do think, largely speaking, no one, at least it, from my perspective, was really t- like it was a lot of the Dodgers discussion, right? A lot of Mets discussion. Yankees um, Yankees like those are the teams kind of dominating that but really the Astros the entire time were just humming along I think it's also you know, like people do get kind of numb to this to the success you know the Astros again have been in the World Series a lot lately they have been in the playoffs a lot over the last decade like people just become kind of like used to that they've become just part of the background I think um but yeah I mean it, it can't be lost like they've swept every series <laughs> you know they they've and they've looked dumb I will say the Mariners challenged them. You know, yes. they, they certainly, you know, obviously they sweep that series, but I, I don't think that that was, you know. They could have easily lost that series. Right. You know, I, I don't know that, that there was a little bit more of it to a knife edge there than I think maybe we we give the credit to. The Yankees, I would say, largely were outclassed. Oh, yeah. But they also have just owned the Yankees, um, you know, over the last, like, five or six years. So, I... Every part of me wants the Phillies to win, obviously, but it, I mean, it is like, and it's very obvious, like this is the toughest opponent yet. Mm-hmm. It just is. I mean, you know, like obviously, you know, the Braves were a very good team. Um, and that's, that's, I think what gives me hope in this is like the Phillies beat the Braves. I would say convincingly. I yeah, <laughs> pretty know, like, easily. I mean, especially those two games at home, frankly, I don't think we're outclassed like, them. Yes. Like the, the two games in Atlanta were definitely close affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's still like I, I, the Phillies haven't faced elimination yet in these playoffs either. You know, like as as much as you want to say that they're the underdog and all this, because they are. You know, they they came in yeah. with such low expectations. They've performed like a a number one overall team. You know, like they've they've blown away teams. You know, at at points in these playoffs, especially at home. Especially at home, home has really really been where they've been spectacular. Um, and you know, you just have to put your faith that they can make that. I mean, it's it's. It's the playoffs, and we've seen the Astros over the last few seasons struggle with NL East teams. Maybe there's some, <laughs> maybe there's some like dark magic there. I don't know, but um, yeah, it it's certainly like a juggernaut of a team that you're facing because there's not even just like one way that this team beats you. Uh, they have elite pitching, you know. We know that, you know, they have four very high quality starters, um, and. You're going to have to figure out a way. But I, this Phillies team has <laughs> figured out a lot of different ways to get to this point. So it, it's it's hard for me to, to say they can't, they can't do this. And that's really what has propelled the Astros in their two series this postseason is their pitching. You look at the, the quote-unquote face of the franchise. Jose Altuve is 3-for-32 this postseason yeah. at the plate. 
it's really been two guys, I would say, who have really carried them offensively. It's Jordan Alvarez and uh, Pena. Pena. Yeah. Who was a rookie. Uh, oddly enough, both teams have rookie shortstops starting in this World Series. Um, but other than that, like, it hasn't been your typical Astros who have, you know, guy after guy after guy beating you with the long ball. They're doing a lot of small ball stuff and driving in runs. And then if the oppor- opportunity arises for Pena, for Alvarez, and sometimes Alex Bregman, they're the guys that will, you know, hit the ball out of the ballpark. But I think that's also another thing the Phillies have done really well throughout this postseason. For the most part, they've kept the ball in the ballpark. And if, you know, somebody is hitting a home run, it's just one, it's a solo shot. Yeah. Um, I think there, there, there are two things working against the Phillies here. Is, is one is that, yes, they face like high quality pitching, like especially again in that Brave series. Um, and I think you saw that most clearly um in those first two games in atlanta like when the bullpen came in like the phillies really struggled with that you're gonna you're gonna have that exact same situation again with houston and you're gonna have to do a lot of work to to eat like chew through those and the longer series go typically that favors pitching and you know the the astros clearly have the plus matchup in that regard not that the phillies are you know incompetent (laughs) you know they've really like especially the bullpen is has souped up a lot in, in these playoffs and, and performed at a really high level. But, you know, I, I would, again, say the Astros are certainly better in that regard. Um, and two, I will say, like, one thing that I do feel like, the especially the first game at home in the Padres series, did feel like the Phillies felt the moment. It did feel like the players, like, f- felt the nerves a little bit, which they hadn't up until that point. And I just, I wonder if maybe they got that out of their system in that series. But it also, I mean, it's just... We talked about it coming in the playoffs. This team has like zero playoff experience. Yeah, <laughs> they, as a as a team, like yeah. there's guys who have been to the playoffs, right. who have been to the World Series, but like as a team, this is their first go round together. And there's a significant part of this lineup that is this is their first postseason. Yeah. And even yeah, Ranger like, Suarez <laughs> said it after his start against the Braves, like he felt the nerves, and right. he's not typically a guy who you know has that happen to him. And then he goes out against San Diego in two instances and looked like one of the the best pitchers in baseball um but yeah i mean it's it's pretty wild what this team has been able to do and how they've been able to do it um i i love that reese hoskins is just throwing as many middle fingers to the doubters and um you know it's rare i think when you when you look at the postseason a lot especially i'd say probably over the, the last decade or so, it's usually the unlikely heroes, the unlikely candidate to come up and, and be the guy that's carrying the team. The Phillies have gotten production from their big bats game in and game out, and that's so rare in the postseason to have your superstars locked in for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but the Phillies have had their superstars locked in at the plate and defensively for the most part throughout this entire postseason run yeah i mean bryce has been uh, at other all, world i mean it's really like an all-time like postseason run that he's on and zach wheeler you know like if you're not even just talking hitting like has been again all time just like postseason run to this to this uh this moment schwarber has, has really picked it up uh reese we talked about you know if you get like a if you get like a hot reese like week and a half two weeks in the playoffs that could be what wins you a world series and if he plays like he did in that Padres series, at least offensively, like, yeah, <laughs> that is 
that's the kind of Reese that you need um, if you're if you're gonna win this series. Like obviously, like Bryce is kind of the fulcrum. I, I think a lot for this this offense. But if if guys like Reese are are, are playing like that again, and like they did against San Diego, like that's that's a big moment. Um, even guys like Stott have been big. Gene has had some big moments. Like it feels like everyone to this point has had some like huge moment that they've had. And I can think of a lot of times where this team is kind of turned around by actually like the late batting order. You like Brandon Marsh coming in and hitting, uh, you know, a big home run or an extra base. Like we've had Veerling. Matt Veerling has had moments. Like everyone has kind of had their moment in the sun a little bit. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a strength that the Phillies have too, is that there's really no easy spot on, on the Phillies. There, There just isn't. And that's, I think you're seeing, the Phillies like in their most ideal form. That's what you've seen them in this postseason. And this is why not to pat myself on the back, but I could believe like I, I remember saying in the beginning of the year that I could believe this team would win a World Series more than I could see them make the playoffs because of the way that they're built. Like they're built like a team that if they just like catch the right wave, like they yes, they they can do what we've seen them do, which is, you know, blow teams away and, you know, just sort of uh, you know, uh, if they can shore up, like just give them like average to above average, you know, uh, uh, bullpen pitching. Like, yeah, this team can win a lot of games, can beat a lot of good teams. Um, so the Astros would be favored, but I, you know, again, you, the, the Phillies have, have not gotten hit here easily, and against you know uh, teams that that certainly weren't good. You know, like that Cardinals series, that was a, a tough series. <laughs> Went on the road and won two. You know, like that Brave series, like. That's a team that, largely speaking, got the better of the Phillies uh, all season and has over the last few seasons. And Phillies went and and handled that series. They, again, have not faced elimination so far in these playoffs. Um, and I think the big key, too, is that the Phillies have stolen a game uh, on the road in each of these, these playoff series so far that they've been in. So that's obviously going to be probably the most important thing out of any, like, and that it seems so obvious, but I mean, really, like if you can, if you can take one game off of Houston, um, you know what, while you're in Texas, like that's, I, I think such a massive, massive psychological too. Mm-hmm. Like I know that the Astros are a very good team, but I can't imagine that they're like, we've all heard the NLE stuff and that, you know, it's, it's been the Braves and, and the Nationals to them and, and all that. Like, I'm sorry, but I have to imagine if, if you drop like, especially like game one at home to a, like a, this Phillies team and. There's no way that that isn't in the back of your mind. There just isn't. I I, I refuse to believe it. And um, you know, but again, they're <laughs> it's certainly a buzzsaw that they're they're walking into. And I have I have to say this: the last time Aaron Ole was on the mound in Houston, he went six and two thirds, perfect game, uh, which led the Phillies on their way to clinching this postseason spot. And uh, I saw a little statistic because you know. Everybody's always going to talk about the Astros cheating scandal. It's it's a thing that is etched in baseball history forever. Um, but when the suspensions and everything were handed down, it was the winter of 2019. Going into 2020, pandemic happens. No fans in the stands to kind of give the Astros some shit uh, throughout their season. And since that happened, the Astros still have not been to nine stadiums. Philadelphia is one of them. And we are certainly going to remind them. <laughs> um, I think that that's, you know, you talk again about advantage in this series. Like, I don't want to say the Astros don't have a good home crowd because I think if you're in the playoffs as regular as they are, like, of course they do. But I do think there's just, there's there's something to it. And I, I think it's been reflected a lot 
when people talk about like the ticket prices right that it's like a, a grand yeah. to be like uh you know standing, standing room, room only in philadelphia whereas it's like i don't know like it's 300 bucks or something it's cheaper to buy two tickets in houston for game one get on a plane fly to houston and fly back than it is to buy a standing room ticket in philly for game three right i just i do think there's something too to like that energy and we've seen it in these playoffs we mm-hmm. see like the Phillies have been good in the playoffs. They've been great at home in the playoffs. Like, unbeaten I, I, at home. Un, and I mean, not just unbeaten. Like, they have beaten teams at yeah. home. You know, and I, I think it's it's hard to not say that the fans aren't a part of that. You know, it's hard to not say that the, the atmosphere that has been built there, um, which I think has also been a reason, not, not only just because I think a lot of people hate the Astros, <laughs> like, nationally, but I think also a lot of people have attached themselves to the Phillies because, like, let's face it, too, like, it's not often that Philadelphia teams are this, but they are like, they're the underdog. And yeah. I think they're kind of, they're likable. Like they're, you know, largely speaking. And I, I think they have some guys that people are willing to like root for. And it's fun. You know, like you, we, they're kind of everyone's like favorite team because yeah, why? Like it's a good story. It's, it's a team that, you know, people will certainly remember, you know, over a decade ago, like being very dominant, but have been out in the wilderness a bit and, you know, you have like these big stars and they have, they make these big plays and all the games are exciting and the fans are going crazy for, for every play and, and living and dying with it. So I think, uh, I think nationally people have really attached themselves to the Phillies, which is cool because uh, largely speaking, the Philly like sports teams are not, it's usually us like, against everyone. They're typically not like the lovable, you know, like media kind of darling. Um, and, and that's us now though. Yeah. I mean, like I tweeted the, the video of, uh, dancing on my own from the clubhouse and uh, Mike Rabel, the CEO and co-founder of the premier lacrosse league, who I'm very good friends with now from covering the league. He tweeted at me, is it okay that I like baseball or that I like this team slash really like this song? Either way, I'm jumping on board. Like <laughs> this Phillies team is bridging the baseball lacrosse worlds together. And <laughs> which uh, is, I mean, talk about, <laughs> talk about Northern Southern divide. That talk is about... like the meme of, of the guys holding up the bandanas together. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then today, Jamie Apodi tweeted uh, the, I think it's bet online AG, like the States that everyone is, you know, rooting for the Astros or the Phillies. And it's 44 states are rooting for the Phillies, six for the Astros. And I said, it's not the first time a team from Philadelphia, uh, outnumbered a team from Texas, forty-four to six. Very nice. Um, I mean, like, like it's it's hard not to like this team. They're just an all-time like vibes team. Like the the locker room videos. Um, you just see like how they act with each other. You know, when somebody like does something really well during a game when they're in the clubhouse. Um, I mean. Bryce Harper's home run, too. It comes out. Uh, Kevin Long gets interviewed. I forget which outlet, but Bryce tells Kevin Long, before he goes up to bat, let's give him something to remember. That's like Ryan Howard, get me to the plate type shit. I, you know what's crazy about that series, too? Because we haven't really gotten the chance, I think, to like reflect on the Padres series. But um, it's almost funny how Rob Thompson, like, outmanaged in that series and you know like i think there was a lot of question marks what was that game three yeah which kind of you know left what sir anthony in for um for two innings innings, and i think there were some question marks about that because game four was already going to be like a bullpen game you know and and i think that i think it really showed in that game i think the phillies are gonna have to show it again in this series like you like when you see the opportunity to take a 2-1 series lead when you you still have two games at, at home you do it because you 
And I, I think that the Padres on the other side of that coin where you you had Josh Hader ready to go against Bryce Harper, and it for whatever reason, that didn't happen. He's that, warming up in San Diego's bullpen right now. And I think that's something that, yeah, like you can't, it's so cliche, but you can't like leave any like anything unturned. You, yep. you can't. You have to leave it all out there because you'll now you'll just like if I was a Padres fan, I'd be reflecting on that all winter. Um, now good for San Diego because their winters are amazing. Like, yeah, it's still like seventy four degrees or whatever. But you know, like it, that would be, that would be like something that I and then the Phillies put themselves in a position where like if they lost, it wasn't gonna be for lack of being aggressive. And I don't think it was stupidly aggressive either. And it's easy to say in hindsight that it wasn't, you know, right? Because it worked out, of mm-hmm. course. But um, yeah, I, I just I think the the Phillies showed a lot in that series too, like that they're willing to like push the chips in and like take and again like. So often, I think teams get into trouble, not even just in baseball, in sports in general, when you, you take the foot off the gas pedal. Like, you have to be willing to constantly, constantly just kill teams. You know, it, it, we see it in, like, football a lot. You mm-hmm. know, like, it's like, you're not running the ball with, like, in the third quarter with a, a 10-point lead. Like, put put your foot on the throat. Like, finish like finish the game strong. And I, I, think, um, I think the Phillies did that in that Padres series in a really impressive way. And that was, that's just, like, a, a total shift. A total shift from from where this team has been the last few seasons under different management where, you know, I, I can recount, not off the top of my head, but I can remember so many occasions where, even in the regular season where the stakes are obviously a little different, but, you know, where I oh, was saving guys for, for this and it's like, well, like, why have them, why, <laughs> why have these relief pitchers then if you're not going to use them in like big situations, you know, in games that you really need? Um, and I, I was just, yeah, that Padres series is amazing. Uh, it's It reminded me, so much of like why playoff baseball is sick <laughs> yes <laughs> and why it's just the absolute best because um especially game four because you just live and die with everything like it's just every every inning is just like a, a, a an anxious mess and it's just this like apprehension about everything and um every moment I, I there really isn't any other sport that i think like has the drama that every pitch Every like every at bat that that baseball has, where like I, I don't know how, but it's like you know you're spending like three and a half four hours like watching these games, and like the entire time you're like you're glued to it, you know. And I I just I think that's that's what I love about playoff baseball, and that like just the the drama, the tension of it all. I think is it's really I think it's unmatched in like North American sports. I I don't know that there's really a good a good like comp for it. Well, you'll love this. Uh, Nick Castellanos was on. Some radio station today, I think, in Chicago, um, and they asked him what the environment is like in Philadelphia. He said the only thing he can compare it to is a, a Premier League soccer game. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's it's loud. It's it's hot. It's breaking Ken Rosenthal's phone. Yeah, I mean, I like I, you just look at it. If you look at like the highlights of games, right? Like, and you just see the difference between the bodies. It in like European, especially like England, uh, like football, they'll call it like limbs when you just see like people's arms yeah. just kind of going, and that you see that all the time uh, w- with the Phillies whenever there's there's a big play, whenever there's a home run, like, and not that other fans aren't like we're so much more passionate there, right. but but it again, I think so much of it has to do with the fact that there's been this drought mm-hmm. and people like there's there's still though been enough time like from 1980 to 2007 you know, 8 on onwards there wasn't like as much carryover you know, like most people that experienced 1980 were were much older at that point yes. you know like it, 
there was a lot of separation between those years, like the real like good old days. And then even like the early nineties, like that separation was different. That team obviously didn't win a world series like 2008 did. So you're seeing like people like our age that were like, you know, teenagers for the last world series. And then people like, there's so much more like collective memory and like joy, like associated with that. And you add in the fact too, that that, that was also the first Philadelphia championships since 83. Like, yeah. you know, there was, I think just a lot, lot of buy-in during that period. And now you're getting those people back and more, you know, like, and I, I think um, that's why, like, I, I just think the environment is, is, is what it is. It's, it's not a, it's like, just like a perfect storm of so many different things. I, you know, there's not just one reason. It's not, oh, just Philly fans, fans are so much more passionate than everyone else. Like, yeah, like I would say like, over most sports markets, Philly fans are, but I do think it's also like you just you've had this shroud and you've had this uh, this kind of history now with this team of doing like amazing things in the playoffs and people remember that it's still in their like memory. There's still a a 2008 Phillies you know account. <laughs> you know, like it's just it's it's just it's all it all tied in together. Yeah, and before we uh, we continue previewing the World Series, make sure you guys uh, check out our new merch partners, PHI Apparel Co. Uh, the best in the game. They are the official merch providers of Underground Sports Philadelphia and all of our podcasts. Um, we're going to have podcast-exclusive merch on their site very, very soon. Uh, but Underground Sports Philadelphia is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company, who provide unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philly. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd. They got the Bryce Harper reaction to Kyle Schwarber's tank shot in San Diego on a shirt. Uh, we I just cooked up a Bedlam at the Bank Thrilla in Manila poster shirt that we're going to have up. Uh, and you guys can use the code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. And use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off. That's for anything on the site. Get ready for postseason baseball, postseason union soccer. Get ready for more Eagles football. Flyers off to a hot start. Great Sixers merch as well. Uh, so shout out to our new merch partners. But, um, you know, did you see the photo of Shane Victorino in the crowd during Bryce Harper's home run? I did not see that. But So uh... Victorino is like noticeable from one vantage point uh when harper hits his home run and he's got a hoodie on and it's just like the scene in like i forget which mighty ducks movie where the coach like comes back he's kind of watching from the stands and <laughs> somebody said shane victorino looks like a force ghost passing down philadelphia phillies postseason legacy from one generation to the next i mean it's true i it's crazy to say, but just by virtue of winning the pennant, like this team is already like one of the best Phillies teams yeah. ever, which is an insane thing to say because, you know, where we were just even honestly, even like two months ago, where yeah. we were with this team, where we know? were October, dude, <laughs> October for 25 days ago, we were pulling our hair out because Nick Maton was on the mound pitching against the Nationals in game one of a doubleheader that the Phillies lost 13 to four. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was my Phillies is, is a disgrace tweet was, yeah. was that day. Um, how wrong was Meek Mill? Man. <laughs> it is wild, too, because this is the first time the Phillies have gotten into the postseason as a wild card in franchise history, and now they win the pennant. So instead of having 
uh, one of the white division winner flags that says 2022 on it. That's not going to be there, but there's going to be a blue one for winning the NL pennant out in the uh, out in Ashburn Alley, flying on the flagpole. Which is, I, it kind of defies belief. I it's don't know. Unreal. It's uh, it's it is crazy to think that we're we're at this point, and um, I mean. I didn't think that we would be uh, <laughs> previewing a World Series necessarily, um, but here we are, and this is this is this is why too. I think it's so important to just make the playoffs because mm-hmm. so much of it was like just get me there, just just get me, and anything can happen. And obviously, this is on the lower end of the the bell curve in terms of like probability, but still, like once you once you get there, any anything can happen. Anything like, can happen. This run started on a. <laughs> Six-run rally in the top of the ninth inning in St. Louis, and if that rally doesn't happen, I'd who knows where? probably get swept in that. Yeah. You know, like in the it, like it's just so much of it can change. And I think what's interesting too is like I think if you're thinking about this in like a more like just like fan and then like like narrative sense, the Phillies of like the 08 to 12 era were are much more similar, like have a lot more in common with the Astros than mm-hmm. they do with this iteration of the Phillies, right? Like in that. Especially once you get to like those eleven, twelve teams, like just very dominant, especially regular season, like go into the playoffs knowing where their like destination truly should be, where they're at least aspiring to get to. Um, and yet the Phillies during those years lost to teams that had these kind of let's just go like they had these like spiritual things yeah. about them. <laughs> they had these these kind of like uh, just outside like the chalk lines types of uh narratives going for them and and sometimes that just happens especially in baseball and um maybe you know this postseason has in some ways been about like exercising a few demons um especially like that cardinal series even the braves even though like we don't have any like postseason history against them like just being able to like which by the way we haven't really because we have so much like left and there's still so much I don't know that I'm ever gonna let a Braves fan live down that we absolutely smoked them in a playoff series like that's ever, <laughs> that's ever. <laughs> um, you know, as much as the Phillies have failed <laughs> during my lifetime, they never did that to me. So two and zero against the Braves in postseason series, I'm pretty sure as a franchise. Other time was '93, right? Um, yeah, and I think now you have this opportunity to to to. to I mean, really, like immortalize yourself. Already, this team is gonna like live in people's memories yeah. a lot and there's been like those iconic moments but i mean if you like if you win a championship yeah <laughs> you're like just think of the way that we canonize the 08 team right and then you know people now we were, we're still not that far removed but still like i mean five years removed from from the eagles super bowl like you know like every part of that gets like remembered and like put down in the annals of history in some kind of way like if the Phillies don't win in 08, like, no one's talking about, like, stairs, you know, home run. We're, He's we're, not throwing out the first pitch. Right. Like, it's just, like, you have this opportunity now to, like, truly cement yourself. Like, already the team is going to be remembered, and you already have the, the banner and, and the pennant, all that. That's that's fantastic. And I think it's a shouldn't lose sight that even if the series doesn't pan out the way we want it to, it's not going to feel that way because now you've gotten to this point, and it's like, you know, it's like when the team in March Madness, you know, the mm-hmm. Cinderella gets to Sweet 16, they lose. It's like, you know, they would have taken that in an instant at yeah. the start. But in the moment, it feels horrible. But I think with, like, reflection, if the series doesn't go well, it's a huge success. Like, it just is. You know, like, for the Astros, this is the expectation is to be making the World Series. For the Phillies, this is, like, 
wow. Like, and it, I think it, it can really go a long way to really like solidifying this like iteration of this team and like the next two or three years and, and kind of success they can have. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, just seeing who has come back during this postseason run to from that 07 to 11 and even beyond, uh, you know, that run to come watch this team. And uh, we're going to predict who's going to throw out these three uh, first ceremonial first pitches for games three, four and five, because there's going to be a game five. Uh, it's brought to you by our friends at Kenwood beer. You guys go to Kenwoodbeer.com. Use that all new and improved Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood beer on tap for the world series and all year round. That's Kenwoodbeer.com. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. So Matt, we've had uh, a number of fan favorites come back to throw out ceremonial first pitches so far this postseason. It started with Shane Victorino and then Pat Burrell against the Braves. And then against the Padres, we had Matt Stairs, we had Ryan Howard, and we had Red Hulk Jason Wirth come through. Ben Revere was in town sitting up with Charlie Manuel as well throughout this uh, this postseason run. A lot of the uh, current Phillies said it feels like that that run of Phillies who have come back, they're like living vicariously through this team. Um, I personally feel like there's going to be three games at Citizens Bank Park. Who do you think is going to be uh, tasked with the ceremonial first pitches for these three games? Uh, what's Cole Hamels up to? That's what <laughs> I said. I think Cole Hamels needs to throw out game three because game three is happening on Monday. Yeah. Halloween anniversary of the parade from 08 and Cole Hamels was the World Series MVP. Yeah. I think it makes the most sense for Cole Hamels to throw out the first pitch, especially over, you know, what the last two or three seasons where everyone's like, oh, bring Cole Hamels back home. Like, it'll get the people going. And I think Carlos Ruiz needs to catch that as well. Yeah. Um, show Blanton up to, you know, like, let's just, <laughs> let's just bring back some of the dogs. Where's Brad Lidge? Where's, <laughs> yeah. Um, even like someone like Victorino, I think would uh would be like a, a true like. Uh, I think Jimmy Rollins has got to be one of Jimmy them. Jimmy Rollins would be fantastic, especially now that he's off the uh, the TBS broadcast for the ALCS. Bring, like he'll uh, be around. Bring Schmidt down, maybe. Um, get him involved. Maybe Crook even. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Who said by the way? He was tweeting that he wanted to retire as a Philly. Yeah, I saw uh, that today. He. Uh, <laughs> I watched an interview with him today because. It's very rare you see Kruk go on like podcasts and stuff, but he was on part of my take, so I had to see what Kruk was about. He talked about his retirement story, and literally like was in a room when he was with the White Sox with like Ozzy Guillen, Robin Ventura, uh, Jim Abbott, like legends with the you know in baseball. And he said, you know, he was at a point where his knees were just like kind of going on him, and he's like, ah. If if Jim Abbott got traded, he was going to retire. Right. He ends up getting traded, and he said, you know what you should do? If you get a base hit, you should just walk off the field and say that's it. So that's what Sean Crook's plan was. And uh, he he continues to go like over, 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 and they're playing in Baltimore. And uh, John Crook is from West Virginia, so he has his family come out and everything. And... Uh, he tells his parents the plan, and his dad says, well, you better get that hit in game one because I'm not sitting in this fucking heat this whole weekend. <laughs> so get it done. 
You love to see it. And then uh, he gets a, a bloop hit over Cal Ripken Jr. And doesn't get the opportunity to, to walk off uh, the field. So he's running around the bases and everything. And then uh, he goes into the clubhouse and Ozzie Guillen has a, a bottle of champagne to, to pop for him. And then uh, he like is nowhere to be found afterwards. And his agent calls him, who was on vacation, and says, you know, are you injured? Like, what what's going on? He's like, oh, I've been meaning to tell you, I'm retired. And he's like, you didn't think to run that by me? He's like, you weren't going to change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Just incredible from John Cruck. Um, somebody said Roy Halladay's wife to throw out one of the first pitches. Um, but I don't know if, because it's the World Series, I don't know if they're going to keep it to guys from 80 and 08 you know to to do it i think what would really get the people going is if somebody put a uh you know a a search warrant out for cliff lee and got cliff lee to get an apb out of (laughs) to come on out and throw out a first pitch um i know they've been they've been doing the rounds with some of the guys who have played for the phillies in the past and have uh houston astros connections as well Brad Lidge and uh, Hunter Pence have been on MLB Network the last couple of days. Hunter Pence is playing it right down the middle. He said, I feel lucky that both teams are playing. <laughs> uh, and smart, then smart man. Brad Lidge said that uh, he is pulling for the Phillies to win uh, because the Phillies invited him back to retire as a Philly when he did decide to retire. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then apparently uh, our, our very first uh, banging the fist on the table free agent, Matt, Jake Arrieta, he's picking the Phillies in seven, and he's going to be at game one in Houston and game three in Philly. Don't know if I like that or not. (laughs) Um, So, not uh, not ideal. (laughs) Not ideal, but... uh, It makes me a little nervous. Like, I'm looking looking right now, like, uh, just, like, previews and stuff, and seeing people pick the Phillies, I'm like... Come on, just pick the Astros. Just and it <laughs> is so different, like, for this series, too, just, like, pitching matchup-wise. Like, Aaron Nola is getting the start in game one rather than Zach Wheeler. Yeah, I, I do think that's a little interesting. Um, I kind of like it. It's a – it's a, okay. So, I, th- I don't know that there's a perfect choice here either way because Wheeler has not struggled, but you've noticed it when he's gotten, like, that – that third go round, right? Like when he hits like seventy pitches, there is a like certainly like a drop in performance where he goes from like I don't know, <laughs> one of the best postseason pitchers of all time apparently to like just a very good pitcher. Um, but I mean, even a team like you know, we we've seen him kind of give it up a little bit mm-hmm. in those moments, and um, you know, against a team like the Astros that could be compounded. And so giving him that extra day rest might help, uh, but you're only now gonna have him available for pretty much maximum two games in this series, which is, you know, if it goes seven, you still have, like, you could get Nola on short rest, but mm-hmm. still, like, that's maybe for a wheel on that spot. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's tough. But, you know, I, I don't think there's a perfect answer for it. You know, and, um, you know, Nola's going to go on, on regular rest and then, what, four days rest. Um, So, uh, there's no, like, there's no perfect choice here. Like, I, I think it's fine. I, I think, really, like, ultimately, this is probably the better choice because at mm-hmm. least one of them is getting, like, that extra day's rest. Um, and I think we all, like, would love the idea of, like, Wheeler, like, potentially having a Game 7. But if you talk about being aggressive, which I just commended Rob Thompson for doing, you know, and, and 
I think this is probably the more aggressive thing, you know, like knowing, like, I don't know, like the, you're kind of giving yourself truly the best chance mm -hmm. of winning one of these games in Houston, which I think is probably the most important thing of this series. Cause I think if you come back to Philly down 2-0, that's just, I mean, it sounds obvious, but that's just like a hard, a much more it's challenging tough. hole to dig yourself out of. Um, and so, yeah, you, you give yourself that shot to like w theoretically win it at home. Um, I think that's just a much different situation. Yeah, and I mean, you look at just the way that both of these guys have pitched, and it, it's really been fortunate the way that things have bounced for the Phillies. Like, every single series, because they've been so dominant, they're 9-2 they're this postseason. They've been able to line it up so they can have Nolan Wheeler go the maximum amount of starts that you would want in each particular series, which has been fantastic. And if that's that's like dream scenario for a wild card team that I don't think anybody predicted would be able to happen. Um, and, I mean, you look at Game 3, Ranger Suarez looked like a completely different pitcher, uh, you know, against the Padres than he did against the Braves, which is a, a positive sign there. And then you figure out what Game 4 is going to be. Is it going to be a bullpen game? Is it going to be, you know, let's actually put Noah Syndergaard out there for um, a hope of, like, five innings? Um, so that'll be an interesting one, especially at home against this Astros team. And then, uh, oddly enough, Matt, the two travel days for the World Series fall on Eagles game days. And it's, it's you know, similar. I do like this. I do like this, Omen. You know, we, we started off this postseason with a, you know, like F the Cardinals weekend, and it's going to be a, an F Houston. It's, a, uh, it's like, a Houston hate week. Which is, you know what? That's like, that's potentially the vibes you're looking for, you know? So we'll see. And, uh, you know, you're telling me, especially if the Phillies are, are coming off winning one of those games in Houston, Sunday is not going to be just a ridiculous atmosphere at the link for the Eagles and just like the precursor of what's to come Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I'm just imagining like that. I'm I'm a little worried about the health and safety of people. Um, you know, if if things go the right way. <laughs> but yeah, I I'm just really I'm I'm just like still kind of like awestruck that we're in, we're in the World Series. It's insane. That's that's the biggest takeaway for me. They and then everybody out in the streets, you know, on Sunday when uh, when the Phillies win and. Jordan Mailata out in the streets celebrating, and today during his press conference he said every Phillies game he's been to they've lost, so he's not going to another Phillies game ever again. <laughs> he's one of us. Fair enough. We, I respect that We a love lot. the dedication. Um, I mean, you, you said it in March. You believe that this team had a better chance to win a World Series than to make it to the postseason, and now they're four wins away, Topper. They're four wins away. Um, also found out today, shout out to UK Phillies. He tweeted the video. Callum Scott was a, uh, Britain's got talent, uh, competitor. And the song he used was <laughs> dancing on my own back in 2015. Oh man. It's a little too much for me. It's all make a little too much sense. He also said that he's down to come to Philly and perform <laughs> at one of the world series games would love that um 
And, you know, just because not only one team is thriving right now, Philly's going to the World Series. Howie Roseman didn't like that, you know, we're, the Eagles are on a bye week, can't be stealing all the shine. This afternoon, as we record this on Wednesday, he goes out, makes a trade with the Chicago Bears again, gets Robert Quinn for a fourth-round draft pick, and the Bears are paying $7.1 million of his salary. So basically, Howie Roseman traded a fourth-round pick to the Bears to acquire Robert Quinn and let the Bears pay Robert Quinn to play for the Eagles. Unreal. <laughs> a guy just last season who had 18 and a half sacks. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this is uh, talking about being aggressive and, uh, and calling a shot in a way. This is uh, it's an aggressive move by the Eagles. And even then, you know, like they're giving up draft capital. But I, I saw that um, the, the Bears are still covering a high part of the cost of the contract. So, really, you're just talking about giving away some, some capital here on the draft side, not so much uh, the cap space. So, that's big. Massive. <laughs> that, that feels like a, a huge acquisition. And it's the kind of like move to you make when you know, like the season has started out very well. The NFC is, is winnable. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to like jinx anything, of course, but like the path for the Eagles to a Super Bowl is there, you know, yes. like it, it, it is, it has appeared before them. And like you, when you see that you have to seize it and, and take that opportunity because, you know, again, similar to what I'm saying, but the Phillies, like you don't know when that's going to present itself. Um, so, yeah, you know, when you, you have this uh, advantage in the situation you find yourself in, you have to be willing to to go uh, to put some chips in the table. Yeah, I mean, how he put his, uh, his Tomahawk Shades on. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com. Use code USP for 25% off your sunglasses, blue light glasses, watches, shirts, sweatshirts, everything in between. Uh, go to TomahawkShades.com. Use code USP for 25% off your order from our friends at Tomahawk Shades. And, I mean, you go and make that move, and apparently, you know, a bunch of the beat writers, after this move was made, tweeting out, you know, there's whispers around the league that the Eagles are not done. Don't know what that entails. Um, a lot of rumors that I'm not a particular fan of, you know, throwing Kareem Hunt's name out there. We just got rid of number 37. Can we not bring number 27 in? Um I saw our, our new friend Jalen Strong, too, mentioning DJ Moore from the Carolina Panthers. I think Carolina wants to keep at least one uh, one usable <laughs> one asset. offensive player for um, the future. And I also don't know how DJ Moore would truly fit into the grand scheme well, of the Eagles. Carolina's only a game out in the division. So, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. And it's like, DJ Moore, is he extremely talented? Yes. But, I mean, the Eagles also have three wide receivers that fit into their offense pretty seamlessly, and I just don't know if DJ Moore would get the targets and, you know, the usage rate that he kind of wants and demands uh, for the type of player he is. Somebody else said Aaron Jones. Don't see that. If the Eagles went and traded for Aaron Jones, I would instantly become the levitating SpongeBob meme because that would just be, like, absurd. Um, and even though the Eagles are trading a fourth round pick for Robert Quinn, they still have six picks in 2023 and that's including two first round picks. One is ours and one is potentially a top five pick because the saints are absolutely terrible this year. And in 2024, they have two second round picks, their own and the saints. Right. So load up, (laughs) load up, brother. Keep those eyes peeled. Uh, and not only on Sunday is it. Eagle Steelers, which 
I don't know how you feel about this, Matt. Myself and Wes Euler have talked about this a ton on Eagles enemies over the years that the Eagles have played the Steelers. I feel like that should be an annual game. You know, yeah, the, it doesn't feel like there is like... a enough of a rivalry there that is right there for the taking. Like the Flyers and Penguins, that's a rivalry there. Obviously, you don't really have it with, with baseball because the Phillies and Pirates are in two different divisions. But Eagles-Steelers feels like one of those AFC-NFC rivalries that should be happening pretty much every single year. What's interesting, too, is I think more than a lot of other teams have this, like, intertwined history, too. You know, like, in the World War II years, like, the, the teams merge, and, like, you have this kind of... Uh, I don't... Yeah, it is interesting that they, they don't really have really any seeming... Like, I don't know. Like, maybe maybe people, like, more in, like, the dividing line between the two, right? You know, once you get, like, kind of outside of Philadelphia, more like Western Pennsylvania, you have more of the... Pittsburgh it's I guess it'd be similar surprise it's not more similar to like how like for us right like there's a kind of divide line between like Eagles and Giants or mm -hmm. Jets fans right like um yeah but I guess it's also too like there's not really that many notable games between the two whenever they've played like there's just there's no there kind of sometimes has to be that spark that reason to be like engaged and there just I, it really hasn't been yeah I mean and and Wes brought this up on Eagles enemies that'll drop later this week uh, do you know the last time the Steelers beat the Eagles in Philadelphia, Matt? In Philadelphia, no. I'm going to make you hop in the time machine and go all the way back to 1965. Wow, what a year. That blew my mind. <laughs> I, I was very like surprised that it's been that long. Shout out to the uh, Civil Rights Act. <laughs> uh, we got Eagles-Steelers on Sunday, which will be a great game. Eagles coming off the bye. And... We've got a, a rematch, Union, NYCFC, for a chance to go to the MLS Cup. Yeah. Um, talk about talk about exercising some demons. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, last season, these teams technically played. The Union did play New York City FC, but um, obviously the Union were, were COVID depleted. It was depleted. Union 2. Right. The, the Union were, were COVID depleted in that game. And um, even still, almost almost advanced uh, to the uh, to the final. Um, it's a different kind of shade this year, in that Union are a fantastic team and crossing every part of my body. Don't have a COVID outbreak yeah. to deal with as of yet. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's tough. You know, like these teams, obviously, there is that history, and then there is some of that, uh, you know. I don't want to say the nastiness between them, but I just do think it's like um, there's a little bit of a rivalry there. And, you know, the, the Union have, have played them well this season, though. Um, you know, they, they won both their matchups. So, um, you know, that's not totally predictive of how this game will, will go. And, you know, we've seen uh, really the Union, anytime we've seen them in the playoffs for the last few seasons, it's been a lot tighter games, you know, and, and it's been uh, cagey at times. I think could be a way you describe it. Um, and I, I think they'll take away a lot of what NYC likes to do. And, you know, I, I think getting past Cincinnati and, and you pass that test, um, you know, and then you know, obviously Andre Blake had to, to make some big saves there. But I do think the Union are, are, are the better team in this matchup. They're at home, which counts for a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in the MLS. And, um, I I think they'll they'll go through it. I mean, in the other side too, you have LA and uh, Austin FC, and um, interestingly enough, too, the top seeds in each respective conference have not met in the MLS Cup Finals since 2003. Wow. So like, it's just not been 
you know, you have that opportunity now. I mean, really, you almost have one and two versus one and two. Um, you know, you, you get some high seeds left in uh in this in this in this bracket now. But yeah, it's it's shaping up to be no matter like what it is. I, I think it's gonna be a really like fascinating uh, cup final. Yeah, and uh, earlier this week too, announced by Philadelphia legend and Philly super fan Jay Wright, uh, Jim Curtin named MLS Coach of the Year. Yeah, his second time winning it. Um, I think very deserved. I, I know other people have said some other guys, and um, fair enough. You know, like I, I, I think there can be some arguments, but I think also when you consider, like, I think especially like in season tweaks that were made to this team. Um, you know, for me, like that's just different. Um, I know Nancy for for Montreal was like another guy that that people really wanted to win, and uh, I, th- I think you know when you consider the kind of the glow up they had this season and, and how improved they were. Fair enough, but. I do think there's there's something to be said about this Union team and that I think they they evolved a little bit this year too. You know, we've never seen them be this kind of like free scoring team like they were while still holding that like just fantastic defensive record that they had. Um, and so I I think that deserves a lot of credit. And yeah, I, I think it's totally reasonable that he, that he wins that award. Hundred percent. Looking forward to that. We got a Philly doubleheader with the Eagles and Steelers going at one. I think the union are at eight o'clock. Yes, eight o'clock. Um, so Sunday's going to be absolutely electric, leading into uh, the World Series at Citizens Bank Park. And um, now everybody is is starting to see the light, Matt. That um, at least I've been talking about. I think we've both talked about it on this show in years past. Uh, people want the uh, the Rob Thompson effect to come to the Sixers. They do get their first win of the season Kate Scott with an all-time call on a James Harden three-pointer uh absolutely shakes the defender gets him to the ground hits the three and Kate Scott drops a who won the trade um a lot of people starting to uh bang the drum though for Sam Cassell like we have for a couple years now I am First of all, I have not watched the Sixers for more than like six I. minutes. <laughs> the the literally the one clip I have seen was that James Harden. I, I have uh, frankly not given them my time and energy to start the season because one, I got a lot of shit going on. <laughs> uh, but two, I mean, we're in the World Series, baby. They're they're up against the Phillies. I mean, what do you want me to do? All right, you want me to stop watching the Phillies and the? We NLCS? got two teams on historic postseason runs and an undefeated football team in this. City. And you want me to you want me to tune in? To, to October basketball. To plantar fasciitis, Joel Embiid. No thanks. Um, part of me just wants them to lose like 10 straight. Just get rid of Doc. I'm willing to just just take take the heat. Ugh. Take the heat while we got it and uh, and take our lumps. But, I mean, it's, it's early season struggles. I, I don't think uh, – I mean, you look at the losses too against like – obviously the Spurs loss is not ideal. But outside of that, I mean, you lost to the Celtics and Bucks. Yeah. That's – you know. I, I also know. do not remember – for the life of me, and I tweeted this. I think the last time I've seen so many people care about October basketball the way they have with the Sixers losing right now is when the process Sixers went three and zero unpredictably to start their season with Michael Carter Williams at the the forefront of this team. Like it's October. We we have said it time and time again, and the national media has said it time and time again. The NBA really doesn't start until Christmas. Right. It's. Um... It's all kind of just a warm up to, to get you to nobody later, cares about October basketball later in the season. But um, I think the one thing that's that's been good about this that that I've noticed um, again without 
just admittedly have not watched a ton of Sixers basketball to start the season because I'm, I'm practicing self-care, but Harden has looked good uh, this season, and, and that's um, you know, to, to start the year, which is great, you know, it, and that's um, that's what we need, you know, if, if the Sixers are going to be successful this season and, and win a championship. But, yeah, I mean, part of, like, the Phillies magic and all this is, like, you look at the Sixers team, you're like, I'm not, first of all, I'm not doing it. No. <laughs> not choosing, not even putting them on the second screen. No. Um, and two, like, I just think, you know, you need some radical change. If I they think- have to be the sacrificial lamb for the oh, Phillies yeah. to win, oh, yep. take them. <laughs> take it. I mean, really take the Flyers. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But for, you know, for four games, if we have to sacrifice a few wins here from the Sixers and give them to the Phillies, where do I sign? Yeah. And just tell me how many we need for, to get rid of Doc Rivers, because I'll, yes. I'll suck that up, too. I'll work it into the budget. Flyers off to a hot start, though. Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> but doing the damn thing, so good for I, them. I could, not, I could not care less. <laughs> also, uh, before I we... saw the Flyers made a trade today, and I almost texted yeah, my I brother. Yeah, I also think that's why Howie Roseman made a trade. I almost texted my brother, like, hey, we you like... What's up with these? Um, you know, we, what are we what are we thinking here? And I know that I don't think he's been super invested in the Flyers either for for some uh, some pretty fair reasons. And uh, I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm not sure I care to know. It's like I see they win, and I'm like, good job, guys. Good for uh, you, I think. Before we uh, dive into our our survivor talk to to wrap up the show, I did see uh, a pretty fascinating tweet. Um, Man, I'm going to have you jump back into 2017 where a football team from Philadelphia was dubbed underdogs for their postseason run. Even though they were the ones, he did lose their, at the time, MVP candidate quarterback. Uh, And in round one of their postseason run, they defeated uh, a bird mascot team. And in round two, they went on to go defeat a team with a human-like mascot. And then in their championship matchup, they faced uh, a heavy favorite who their franchise had a notorious record of cheating in their respective sport. Fast forward to 2022, this uh, this underdog Phillies team, round one, faced a team with a bird mascot. In their next two series, faced teams with human-like mascots. And in their championship game, we'll be facing a heavy favorite with a track record for cheating in their respective sport. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Altuve also, like, one of the uh, – just by the numbers, like, I was reading about, like, the, the Astros and their, um, their, like, playoff success. And, like, the core of that team is going to have, like, the some of the best all-time mm-hmm. postseason numbers because they've just been <laughs> in the postseason every year. In deep. I mean, Altuve is, like, going to be by the books, like, one of the best – postseason players ever i think he's like 21 uh postseason home runs alex bregman does not know his career without being in the alcs yeah like it's just insane like if you really think about it but um you know i like i like those little i like those little narratives i'll take it and on top of that we have some math that is mathing from a, a personal standpoint back in january of 2018 our former producer tyler steinbrand before we even started this podcast uh played Reasons Unknown by the Killers with the Killers in front of a sold-out Wells Fargo Center weeks before the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl. A few weeks ago, back in September, Tyler Steinbrine 
played Reasons Unknown on the drums with the Killers in front of a sold-out Wells Fargo Center weeks before the Phillies will be playing for a World Series. Tyler, all I got to say is keep playing Reasons Unknown with the Killers. Yeah, whenever you have the chance. Good things will come. Uh... But we're going to wrap up with some Survivor talk and get you guys set for the new episodes. Brought to you by our friends at Bino Board. Uh, it's the next big tabletop game for your man cave, your she shed, your tailgates, you name it. Uh, it should be there. Uh, it's like paper football meets foosball. You got Bino. And uh, they're dropping new World Cup inspired boards every single week leading up to the World Cup, which is right around the corner. And this Friday at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Team USA board is finally dropping. So go to BinoBoard.com and use code BinoUSP for 10% off your boards, your accessories, your merch, you name it. BinoBoard.com, code BinoUSP for 10% off your order. Matt, another week of Survivor in the books. Um, all right, we're, I'm feeling real good about our guy James. He seems to be... In control of Coco, uh, two straight tribal councils, which had me on the edge of my seat. But going into it, I didn't feel nervous for him because it felt like he was kind of in control of tribal. And uh, they blindside Geo after he gets the uh, advantage from going on the journey post-immunity uh, challenge. And uh seems like James has the numbers now on Coco. Yeah, and I think, too, he has... He's a a strong ally in Carla, you know, which uh, they seem to work really well together, have a lot of trust in each other. And I like, too, that they, James, I I just like the way he talks to people. I mm-hmm. think he, he, it's never, like, uh, admonishing them or, like, talking down to them, but he's always trying to, like, always trying to, like, soothe. And I think he, yes. uh, he really gets in. And Carla's kind of the same way, too, where she has, it seems like from what we've seen, she's these really good, like social connections with the people too, and they like try, like Geo opens up to her immediately about his advantage, which ends up being a mistake. So, I like that duo there a lot. Um, yeah, and I mean it's it's kind of interesting now too because we've in the past few seasons haven't had this like where all the tribes have sort of been trimmed down. Um, you know, I kind of like that, and it seems like tonight we're getting some sort of merge. Situation? Question mark. Uh, I mean, the title of the episode is Mergatory. So, <laughs> I mean, people listening will have a much better idea because yes. maybe they'll have seen it by then. But, um, yeah, I, I liked what I saw from from James um, each week. I'm I'm being filled with uh, a lot of a lot of joy <laughs> in, in picking him. Um, yeah, I, I think Ryan's decision to intentionally throw the challenge rub me the wrong way. I okay, so you can throw a challenge. I'm not totally against the idea of throwing a challenge in general. However, I think it comes with obviously tremendous risk in that you are willingly, at least it seems, like putting yourself in a chopping block because you don't ever fully know how safe you really are. Especially a rogue challenge throw. Right. Like, and if you're going to do, but if you're going to do it, you got to have a much more solid plan and like kind of have that plan really set. And he. Didn't Did and not. then the lying that he was doing, like, oh, I'll just, uh, I get it. Like people vote me out. Like no one has ever said that. No, no one has tell said them that on Survivor to, in like twenty. Tell years. them my name. Like what are we doing? No one has said that on Survivor in like twenty years. Like the, taking the like noble warrior <laughs> approach. Like, even Coach was not doing that. <laughs> you know, like no one has ever just like, yeah, you can vote me out. I get it. I just, you know, whatever gets you further in the game. Like no one is saying no. that. No one is saying that. So, um. Yeah, Ryan 
not <laughs> not great. Did not show me a lot of promise there. I was already kind of out on him, and um, I, you know, I I I don't want to egg on my face, but I also don't feel very uh, wrong in, in in thinking that Ryan will will not be winning um, season forty three Survivor as long as he doesn't get that fucking hourglass. <laughs> Even then, like he could shake up the game, but I just yeah. I don't but it seems like whoever gets that, that's who ends up winning for the last true. two seasons. Yeah, so. maybe that's maybe that's the new pick. Um, I mean, not much from uh, the the Vessi tribe this week. They just kind of, you know, have been smooth sailing since they've gotten down to four uh, tribe they members. They all seem close. Yeah. Like, I'm interested to see the merge, what they do, because they, they actually all seem to be pretty... And they've won some challenges, too, which I think helps, and they've got some, like, food. I, I do think... Um, I am curious to see uh, see how they 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 do in a merge situation. And then uh, the yellow tribe is just still trying to get Gabler out, but then uh, they seem like the most like detached from one another. They there seems to be some chaos brewing with the yellow tribe. I wouldn't be totally surprised if that maybe is like the storyline for like a part of the merge. You know, like between like Ellie and Gabler, like them those two trying to like get numbers in, in some way um I, I wouldn't be too surprised if maybe that like sammy i think is a little bit of a wild card yes. too like he's he's been playing i think um both sides a lot <laughs> in yeah. that drive and like it's weird though because both sides seem to trust him like mm-hmm. you know like it's not like he's just like weaseling his way like he seems to have in some sense at least established some communication some some connection so um yeah i I am really curious. In both ways, I'm curious to see how Vessi and them do it in in, uh, in the merge for kind of different reasons. And now we have... Uh, do do all three tribes now have their beware advantage? Uh, they do in... Idols? Uh, simple. Yeah. <laughs> like, very they, they easy. They kind of dusted it up, So, which is good. I, I kind of hated the drawn out, like, purple butterflies make me yeah. dream or whatever like i kind of hated that stuff um i'm, I'm glad that they, they made it in a way that it's still a challenge but that you you know realistically you can get this done in a day and you're, you're not losing your vote um although the, the jeopardy is still there so yeah geo gets voted out uh i if i'm remembering correctly those advantages like do they they get gifted to a tribe member the ones that they get for like risking their vote and stuff. Yeah, um, I forget how those I ended up working. Don't know off the top of my head uh, what happens to them. I think they might just be gone. I think I think they're just out. But I'm so. not because he had the uh, knowledge is power, which is you know right. Uh, as as far as it, although not as overpowered as it was in the last two seasons because you don't have people like kind of necessarily publicly announcing yeah. that they have an idol because once. Once one tribe knows, like then everyone knows, you know, uh, all, all about it. Um, although, again, you still have a lot of like one thing with like having to lose your vote is that you kind of do have to confide in an ally if you uh, if you get the beware advantage because they have to know that you don't have to have a vote. Mm-hmm. So already um, you're gonna have to break that break that circle of, of secrecy with yourself. So yeah, so we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, make sure you guys follow at Buffs and Snuffs on Twitter, and make sure you're following at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. We are 16 followers away, Matt. We did get a new uh, member of the Phillies Mom Squad, Mama Stott, followed the uh, the pod today, uh, so she's down with us just like Nick Castellanos's mom and pretty much the entire Castellanos family. Who I think it can't go unsung. Nick Castellanos has had a pretty damn good postseason. Yeah, 
hundred percent. Um, so make sure you're following us there. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feeds on Apple, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It really helps the show continue to grow and uh, lets us do more cool stuff for you guys as we continue to move along here towards the end of 2022 and into 2023. Make sure you subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel as well, where you get full video episodes of all of our podcasts on the network. We're at 258 out of 1,000 subscribers uh, for our first milestone that we're trying to reach, so make sure you subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon so you don't miss a single video that we put out. And a big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, as well as Tomahawk Shades, Pickup, Kenwood Beer, Bino Board, and PHI Apparel Company. All of their info, promo codes, and links are in the show notes on audio and in the description on YouTube. But this has been another episode, another Red October edition, episode number 476 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Let's go Phils, and uh, we will catch you guys next time. But until then, we are signing off. Peace. Peace.